Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom Bionic. And we're here for another week of Future Quake with an incredible guest. Yes. We have Joe Jordan, who is the president of the C4 Research Group. The CE4 Research Group. CE4, yeah. C4 is an explosive. Yeah, I was going to say. We just got on echelon right now. He's blowing people to No, he's not. No, he's helping them. And we're talking about current spiritual warfare realities behind Mm -hmm. the UFO abduction phenomena. Mm-hmm. Sorry, we couldn't find a more interesting topic to talk yeah, about. Yeah. We're sort of scraping Britney the Spears bottom of the barrel. Busy this week, so yeah. So we're going to talk about and and before you change the channel and say I am not interested in that weird kind of stuff. It's crazy. You really need to, to hear what this gentleman has to say. Let him listen. Just just take our word for it. Give him a listen. Mm-hmm. Hear what's going on and just let God speak to your heart before you make rash judgments. Yes, which probably people have to do most of the weeks on Future Quake Show. <laughs> but we, we strongly suggest you listen to it. Again, he's with uh, this group, the CE4 Research Group, which stands for Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind. Mm-hmm. And this is a gentleman who loves the Lord. He's a minister of the gospel. Mm-hmm. And he has a very, very special ministry God's given him. But it's something we know, we uh, think you should know about. And it's something that, I guess, affects millions of people. Yeah, well, that's what the uh, research seems to indicate. Right. So we're going to provide an opportunity for you to hear about what this gentleman's doing. We really think you'll be blessed this week in mm-hmm. what he what he has to say. And then we're going to come back and have a uh, discussion about what he's talking about. Yeah. So, um, Without further ado. Yeah, you think it's time? I think All so. right, well, we're going to go uh, Joe, uh, join Joe Jordan, and then we'll come back and wrap it up on the closing segment of Future Quick. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I'm Dr. Future, here with Tom Bionic. Yeah. And we're here with uh, a new friend of our show, someone who we've been looking forward to have for a long time, Mr. Joe Jordan, who is the president of the CE4 Research Group. And today we're going to talk about the current spiritual warfare realities behind the UFO abduction phenomena. And, Mr. Jordan, I just want to tell you it's an honor to finally have you as a guest on the Future Quake radio program. Uh, after having met you and hearing your uh, fascinating talk, which I've referred to a number of times here on Future Quake in the past at the 2005 Ancient of Days conference in Roswell, New Mexico, 
uh, I decided right there on the spot that I wanted to have you on our radio show sometime in the future. And I'm so sorry it's taken me so long to get all this arranged. Uh, to, to start our discussions uh, into this uh, very mysterious, intriguing topic that we're going to discuss this week, can you begin by just giving my listeners a very brief introduction to how you began to be interested in the topic of UFOs and extraterrestrial phenomena very, very long ago? I sure can, and it does seem like so long ago now, after 15 years. It actually started back in 1992, and at the time I was on a vacation trip uh, headed to Alaska to visit my brother, who was stationed in Anchorage in the Air Force, and I was flying out of Orlando, Florida. I live here in, in Florida, in central Florida on the coast by the Kennedy Space Center, mm-hmm. and when we were at the airport, I knew that this was going to be a, like a 10-hour flight up to Anchorage, and I wanted to pick up some reading material, so I went to one of their little newsstand bookstore type deals they have in the airports and started looking at the magazines and didn't see anything that quite caught my interest and moved over to the book section and started gazing through the different book titles they had there, and one particular book caught my attention. And I picked up the book and looked at the back of it, and I it puzzled me because as an avid science fiction reader when I was in high school, this book looked like a science fiction book to me. But when I looked at the back of it and read the synopsis on what the book was about, I saw that this was a book that said it was based on science research and science fact. So that caught my attention. And the title of that book was UFO Crash at Roswell. Hmm. And I would say that that was the beginning of stepping through a doorway that was to change my life. Wow. And on that trip, I started into the book and it started to consume me where I had to get to the end of it to see what this was about. I finished the book on the nine day trip I was on while up in Alaska and sightseeing and all of that. And when I got back from the trip, my interest in what I would call ufology had been peaked and I wanted to know more. And over the next couple months, uh, I came in contact with a couple key people that were to guide me through my search into the whole field of UFOs, and I was introduced to the Mutual UFO Network, and it's the largest grassroots organization uh, for UFO research in the world today. Uh, there's some 5,000-plus members worldwide. Yeah, they, 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 they take more of a scientific approach toward data collection, much like uh, people like Transportation Safety Board would have very strict protocols for collecting data. Is that correct? Absolutely, and they take you through some extensive training to become a a field investigator, which is the first level you come into. And you you work with another field investigator that takes you through the training, and you have to qualify through a test. And they teach you how to do investigations for UFO sightings and how to record for the database that they've had since 1969. And as I worked into the Mutual UFO Network, or MUFON, um, my interest just grew and grew and grew. And at the time, I was what you would call an agnostic. I had no spiritual beliefs at all, and I felt that I would be comfortable coming in from a scientific point of view in all of this and being very objective. And after about first six months going through the training as a field investigator and, and getting my field investigator status, I was then asked if I'd be interested in becoming a state section director for MUFON, And a state section director is someone who is in charge of their county or a number of counties uh, around them. And what that person does is take control where calls come in from for sightings reports from the the press or from the um, 
sheriff's department or police department where people make these calls and they don't know where to send them to. Uh, they would you make yourself known and they would send them to you, and then you could follow up with your field investigators and, and go through the process of getting the documentation to put into the database. And I became the state section director of Brevard County, Florida, uh, which is where the space center is located, and I have been since 1993, and that started my search into what is this UFO phenomenon actually about. Okay. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, you, you sort of rose through the ranks and established yourself in that organization and became a respected member of uh, applying scientific experimental pr- principles to analyzing this data. But then uh, things led you in a spiritual direction, as I understand it. So h- how did these activities and your interest in this phenomena lead you into exploring the, the spiritual side and and what kind of conclusion did it lead it to uh, in, your, in your own personal life? Well, coming at this from uh, an agnostic objective point of view and, and trying to follow the protocol for scientific research, um, at the same time I had to deal with setting up monthly meetings for the public. It's one of the things that's required as a state section director, that you hold monthly meetings where your investigators come and we can talk about investigative reports that we're doing, and also explore the UFO phenomenon. And it's open to the public. And we used to hold these meetings once a month in, in uh, the public library, which is a great place to hold meetings because there's no charge. And mm-hmm. they usually have all the video equipment you need to use for, mm-hmm. for you know, VHS or DVDs. And uh, things started to get a little strange because when you open the doors to the public, you're not restricting anybody from coming in. I mean, it has to be open to the public. And I tell you, we got all sorts of people coming in. When you said, you, you know, I thing, can't imagine that <laughs> UFO topic would ever yeah. bring any different kind of people in. But I'll take your word for it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was kind of warned about this from yeah. the uh, higher ups through MUFON uh, because they one thing that they did warn me about is be aware of people coming in who have New Age and metaphysical beliefs. Huh. Well, I had no idea what that was, and I said, yeah, okay, and. I held my monthly meetings. These people started showing up, and I got to hear some really strange things. You know, and I thought UFOs were strange to begin with, but really it just opens up a, a whole field of strangeness that is it, kind of hard to comprehend uh, when you're first getting into this. <laughs> <laughs> and the one thing that I had to look at in listening to these people, even though their stories were kind of far-fetched and they were into some strange things, I saw that there was still a connection with the UFO phenomenon, Hmm. even though they were in other things. But there was still some kind of connection there. And that connection that I saw happened to be a spiritual connection. And being an investigator, even though I was told not to work with these type of people and their belief system, because they were a part of the UFO phenomenon, and as an investigator, I had to look at what they were saying. And... I spent the next four years actually exploring the metaphysical realm and the New Age realm, trying to understand what it was about and how it was connected to the UFO realm. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't long before I actually became involved with the New Age belief system myself. I I stepped into another doorway, not just the one that opened up into the UFO realm, but one that actually stepped up into a, a spiritual realm but hmm. one that's unlike and, and a counterfeit of the actual Christian realm. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Wow. So so that became a part of your life. Can you take us uh, 
uh, forward uh, through how that progressed and what happened to sort of change that direction for you? Well, <laughs> it's the the New Age realm and metaphysical realm to explain what it's like being involved in that, and especially as deep as I was involved. That you you hear the term enlightenment, and you've probably heard that term bounced around on TV shows, you know, on on, on the regular TV, where that term is used or transformation. And this is something these people are striving for. And looking back on it now, it's really just another works-based religion because Mm -hmm. the whole quest that they're on for enlightenment, you can never reach it. It's like dangling that carrot out there, and you're constantly Mm -hmm. striving for it, but you never really reach it. I assume if you pay for some more seminars or buy some more tapes (laughs) from people, that'll help just a little bit farther, huh? Oh, absolutely. And believe me, they're not cheap. Yeah. And you always come across somebody else that seems to know a little more than you that gets you hooked to where you've got to learn more. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a fascinating thing that these people are into, but very deceptive and, you know, very seductive also because there's a lot of pride involved, you know, being that I know something somebody else doesn't. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the seduction to the, to the whole metaphysical realm. And there are some strange paranormal activity that you'll come across dealing in that realm, mm-hmm. uh, which most people would consider in that realm a spiritual connection. And that's something that I actually had to look at. And after about four years of dealing with that and exploring it and, and falling right into it, and actually I got to the point where I could actually preach to Christians and Christians that really didn't understand what they should have understood being a Christian, and it wasn't hard to take somebody like that and convert them over to metaphysical belief mm. system. Mm. And uh, I've had to look back on that now and and wonder could I ever bring those people back? And some of them I have been able to, mm-hmm. you know, since since well, my change. Ultimately, they are responsible to God uh, mm-hmm. for Absolutely. not knowing Absolutely. God's word. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But after about four years, uh, in 1996, in the fall of 96, I was working in the abduction phenomenon. Uh, we had moved from sighting investigations into abductions. And the reason we had done that is because my investigators and I uh, looked at the years we had spent doing sighting investigations and felt that we were pretty much doing the same thing. We were chasing our tail. Mm. And it, it was something that we didn't seem that we were able to, we were ever able going to get the truth about this phenomenon. I mean, they've been doing sightings since the 40s, sighting reports, sighting investigations. Mm -hmm. And here we just jumped into it in the early 90s, and we were still just continuing the same thing, and it still continues today. So we moved into abductions because when we started listening to the abduction experiencers, these people claimed that they were in contact with the entities that were behind the UFO sightings. And we felt that if we were going to get to the truth of the UFO phenomenon, we needed to get closer to the source of it. And if these people were claiming contact, well, that's closer to the source than just chasing lights in the sky. Yeah, sure. That's way closer. Oh, yeah. And we focused our work on abductions. Uh, We studied up on abductions from all the research material that was out there to be able to work with these people and start doing the investigations for abductions. And then there was a couple cases that were really – interesting that I was working on in in late 96, but there was something very troubling about these two cases that I was in the midst of. And 
there was something that seemed to be very wrong with them, and I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And mm. one of my female investigators that was working with me, she said, you know, you need some protection when you're working in this realm, because she was seeing that there was a problem here, too. And she was a professing Christian, and she said, I want to share something with you, and something that you could get as protection, you know, when you go into this area of research. And I said, okay, what do you got? And she stuck a Bible out in front of me, and I said, oh, no, that's got nothing mm-hmm. to do with what I do. And uh, she said, well, wait a minute, I just want you to take a look at it. And I said, oh, no, that's fine, you know, because being from the New Age belief system, those people don't believe that the Bible to be the inerrant word of God. It's sort of a quaint uh, concept, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Good stories, maybe, you know, a good way to live, but not, don't, not the don't truth. Yeah, not right. the truth. Well, that's the kind of the same way I was approaching it with her. And then she saw that I wasn't going to take a look at it, and she hit me where it hurt the most. She said, you know, you tell people you're the most open-minded, objective researcher there is. And I said, okay, let me see what you got. <laughs> and it was in November of 96 that we sat and looked at that book. And for the first time, my scales were taken off my eyes, the plugs were taken out of my ears, and I actually heard the gospel message. And I said, you know what? I want that protection. Mm-hmm. Praise and the Lord. In, in 1996, I made a profession of faith. I'd come from an agnostic coming into the UFO realm. I got spent time in the New Age realm. And then, actually, in 1996, I came to Jesus Christ through UFOs. <laughs> well, that's not a testimony you hear every day. <laughs> well, we'll have exactly. to th- we'll have to thank him one day for that, <laughs> whatever it took to get you there. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that was another doorway that, and I I feel today that was the right doorway to enter, and uh, it's made a major change in where I've come with all of this and what I was able to see, and. As an investigator, but as a brand new Christian, I well, wanted to know what I was as a Christian. Well, let me make sure. Let me make this sure. clear to folks who are not familiar with you. You actually serve in research and development in the transportation industry with a well-known company. You have really strong uh, technical credentials, analytical credentials. You didn't get where you were in MUFON for anything. So, so you have a very analytical mind that's well established, and you clearly looked at the facts from the Bible. And you found something that was superior that you can hang your head on beyond the other things you're exposed to. Absolutely. And it was through my intense study in the beginning as a new believer, wanting to know what I was as a Christian, and wanting to know right away. I didn't want to sit through 50 years of Sunday services to figure mm-hmm. out what I was. I went at this just as, just as strong as I did anything else I've gotten into. I wanted to know right away what it was that I was as a Christian mm-hmm. and and what it meant. And as I went through these studies, there was something that God showed me. And it was during one of these study courses that I was involved in. Uh, It was actually a video course that this happened. I'm sitting in my friend's house, and we're watching this intense Bible study course um, that was night after night until we got through the whole series. And one night, the guy that was teaching the course mentioned something about spiritual warfare. And I never heard that term before. But it sounded real interesting. You know, it caught my attention. Mm -hmm. And it was during that particular talk in the study where he said the the scripture, Ephesians 6.12, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against spiritual wickedness in the heavenly realm. 
And in that instant that I heard him say that Ephesians 6.12, I had a vision. And visions are something that I heard about in the New Age realm. Mm-hmm. Never had one while I was in the New Age realm, but heard about people having them. And here, as a Christian, I was having one. And it was instantly the alien gray right in front of my face. And this is while I'm sitting here watching this, this show on this TV. Mm. And in that instant, the alien gray face changed to the most horrific thing I had ever seen. And in that moment, I knew that I knew that I knew what this was. And I said, stop that, that show. I said, I've got to talk to you guys. And I, I, I shared with them what I had been, been shown. And I said, we don't need to be messing with this. I said, I know what this is now. I've been shown this, and we need to stop dealing in the UFO realm. It's not something as Christians we need to be involved in. And they agreed. And we tried to put it aside. And about a month went by. And something was nudging me, saying, you're not done. And I said, well, I am done with this. You know, this is not something I need to be involved with. And I kept hearing this voice, you're not done. Well, as a new Christian, I didn't know you talked to God like this, you know. And I said, God, if this is you talking, I said, I am done with this. And I said, what do you want me to do with this? And he says, I need you to take this back to where you came from. And I said, I can't take the Bible back to the to the new age. They don't believe it to be the inerrant word of God for one, and you need to give me something better than that, you know, and, and I look back on that now going, geez, I can't believe I said that to him, <laughs> well, <laughs> it wasn't a couple weeks later when the voice again says, you already have what you need, and I said, I already wow. have what I need, and I said, what is that, you know, what could it be, and then it, I went back and started looking at some of the interviews we had done, <clears throat> and one particular interview came up where one of my partners and I had sat with this abduction experiencer and listened for two hours and recorded his entire story. And it was during his story that I realized we already had it. And we already had it six months before I became a believer. Hmm. And it was fascinating to look at that because all this I can see had been orchestrated, you know, divinely that this would happen. And in his story where he's talking about his experience, he says during his experience, right in the middle of it, because it was a fearful experience, which most of them are, him being himself being a new Christian called out, Jesus, 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 or Jesus, help me. And in a moment, that experience stopped. And he was he woke up in his bed. And I knew right there wow. that I had something powerful because we had never heard at that time in our research of anybody ever stopping an abduction experience and then also the way that it was stopped by calling out the name and authority of Jesus Christ now I knew I had something I could take back to the UFO realm and the New Age realm because it's testimony of these experiencers that they would never come against even though they might come against biblical scripture they would never come against these people's testimonies and this started into the research of where I'm working at today. Wow. That's quite a story. Well, let let me clarify from our listeners who are not uh, or only peripherally familiar with this topic of, uh, and we're not talking about 
just seeing a UFO in the sky. We're not talking about seeing details of it or see it landing. We're talking about an actual contact experience, which I believe is where you get the name of your ministry, CE4, for Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind. Uh, Now, correct me on my statistics if I'm wrong. Um, As I understand it, um, Professor John Mack, I believe, uh, formerly who's a late, late professor of Harvard, interviewed, I don't know how many thousands of these uh, what they call experiencers or abductees, and he forecast in the data that I saw on the amount of data he had looking at it statistically, he estimated as many, and this will blow people's mind, as many as four to five million people in our own country were potential people who had potentially experienced this abduction experience. And George Gallup, who is a Christian pollster, the most premier pollster in our country, he ran several polls in the early 90s that found out as many as 1% to 3% of the American public says not that they've just seen a UFO or believe in them, but they have actually think they've experienced an abduction experience. A- am I right on my data or, or close to it? You're absolutely right. So so wow. this is just not some kind of freaky thing of the, the village idiot or somebody out in the periphery. Uh, we, may, we may run in circles of people where it's not talked about or not discussed, therefore we think it doesn't exist, or just with strange folk. But that's not reality. That's not what careful researchers that carefully collect data uh, have experienced with this particular topic. And that's why I think it's so critically important. And we'll, we'll get into what the Christian world thinks about that in a minute. But can you tell us some more details about this whole alien abduction experience? Some people have seen a little bit about it on the History Channel or Discovery Channel. It's so funny. The whole UFO topic is such a taboo. Nobody seems like they're willing to admit in front of other people, particularly when you get in a higher brow company, to admit that they would believe or even would entertain a belief in this kind of thing. But when you get people privately, one-on-one, they're more than willing not only to say they believe it, but they have a keen interest in it. Mm-hmm. And that's why these shows are so popular on television is because there's a huge audience for it. There's many more people who have a fascination or at least harbor a possibility of this stuff going on than what we that we, we let on in proper company. Yeah. So that's why I think this is something that uh, all of you out there listening, uh, you, you can level with us if you have some secret interest in this topic. So does most of your neighbors as well, too. And there's a reason why this is important. We're talking to someone today who's been out on the frontiers, on the edge, dealing with this directly. Uh, to, to go forward, can you explain a little bit from someone who's not just watched it on TV, but actually uh, talked directly to the people who've had these events? W- what's the nature of these abduction events? Are there some common themes that you find, uh, the, the, the classic events, and, and the kind sure. of impacts that it has to people in the short term and long term? Sure. And there are, there are some common themes that you see run through the experience, even though there are some major differences, there is a common theme that that, sees, that shows that it's all connected. Uh, the one thing that people, when they first come to me and, and want to share their experience, usually it's, I've had these dreams. And that's a key thing to remember here. We'll talk more about mm. that. But it, it's usually that I've had these dreams because they don't usually wake up during an experience. They recall the experiences later of having them, and they don't recall when they actually happened but they know that they've had some type of this experience. And experience, what they remember is becoming paralyzed while they're laying in bed. Um, they can't move. They can't, can't open their mouths. They can't do anything. They're frozen stiff. Some of them even feel a pressure holding them down. Hmm. And then there'll be sometimes they talk about a gray mist or, or everything turning like gray. 
and yet there's some also that don't see that part of it but actually see beings that enter their presence in their room hmm. and these beings are described as three to four foot high large craniums large almond shaped eyes uh, almost just a slit for a nose and a slit for a mouth long skinny arms and legs and these this is the typical alien gray and they see a presence in their room some of them even experience and report that they're actually taken from their beds and they feel that they're taken to a ship somewhere passed through the roof through the ceiling through the walls whatever and taken aboard a craft and then strange experiments are done on them, medical experiments and usually a very sexual nature to them and then all of a sudden they they wake up or they remember waking up and that's part of the typical experience that these people remember the one thing to keep in mind and to your listeners uh, to understand this is when I work with these people I never tell them that their experience didn't happen or it wasn't real even though I have my feelings about what the experience was mm -hmm. from my research but I never relay that to them because to these people this experience is as real as you and I talking right now and I, you can't take that away from them mm -hmm. what you want to do is to be able to listen to their story and then to be able to work with them. But the experience is very traumatic to people. Um, it destroys lives, it destroys family relationships, because this experience has happened against their will. And, and that is a troublesome thing to a human being, is for things to happen against their will, something they have no control of at all. Um, and, and that's part of the issue that we're dealing with with this experience. Uh, just a, for instance, I work with a, a retired police officer of 20 years. And if you've ever personally met a police officer, they are trained to be in control at all times. Mm -hmm. Well, for this to happen to a person of 20 years as a police officer, to something that would happen to him that he has no control over, that is very upsetting. That is very traumatic to that person. And this is the, this is what I see with these experiencers. And what we're trying to do here is help these people. There's, a, there's 5 million people that claim that they've had this experience, and these people have their lives destroyed because of it. And there's got to be some hope out there for these people. There's got to be somebody there to help them. Now, if I understand right, um, Do Dr. Mack, who I mentioned earlier from Harvard, who was a professor, I believe, in psychiatry or psychotherapy, I'm not an expert on him, but he didn't believe this was just some kind of mass psychosis, right? He believed right. that it possibly something of some substance to him. And, and he was a gentleman of anybody who was a premier authority in his field to be able to determine if something, again, could be described as merely a mass psychosis. Right. So, so there's something of some more tangible nature, and I'm presuming of the data you collected, however carefully using your experience, at least some number of the ones you've personally witnessed, you think there's more than just a fanciful imagination. Yes, absolutely. And you can usually tell that difference uh, once you start talking to these people. There are some people you will come across that want the attention and have fascinating stories. I've come across numbers of them in the UFO realm. Um, what I call that is the lonely person syndrome. Mm -hmm. And you'll see that in a lot of businesses. Uh, if you're a pest control guy, you constantly visit the same people over and over, and they really don't uh -huh. have any bugs. Uh -huh. If you're a cable guy, you're constantly fixing their TV, and there's nothing wrong with it. But they they want a relationship. They want some somebody to come and visit them, somebody to talk to. Mm -hmm. 
Well, there are people that get caught up in that and, and grab this for attention, uh, believe it or not. And we have to kind of separate those from people that are actually having the experience and are actually traumatized by it. And it doesn't take much talking to them to realize that you have a, somebody that's really really dealt with this experience and really wants help. I, I guess I, you, I, do I, not, yeah. I, I do not use hypnosis. Most of the researchers believe that hypnotic regression will take these people back and have them relive the experience. I absolutely do not use hypnosis. I never mm. have. And I feel that there are some issues to hypnosis. Uh, there are problems of leading people uh, when, you're, when they're under hypnosis that mm-hmm. will cause them to tell stories and fabricate stories that can happen. And keep in mind, if, if you're somebody who's had an experience like this and you recognize what it is because of TV shows or whatever, you're going to search out somebody in the UFO realm to be able to share this experience with. Well, you've set it up right there by doing that where I don't do that. Um, I come at this from a completely different angle, and and people that are willing to share their testimonies with me are ones that would not share with those people. And they know that they don't have to go through a hypnotic regression with me. I don't make them relive the experience. They already remember enough to know that they've got a problem. Right. So uh, that's interesting because I would think researchers who want to make a name for themselves would find that very seductive to use shortcuts like hypnosis to try to get uh, more uh, elaborate details to actually be a little bit more sensational in their own research to make a name for themselves. And I do believe that happens sometimes. Okay. Well, I just found it ironic that you used an example of uh, uh, pest control because that's almost really what I see what you're doing. Uh, huh. you, pest control. you run an extermination business, but these bugs are a lot bigger and a lot more serious. But uh, when people have an infestation, uh, you come to the rescue here. So what what did this data lead you to as far as coming up some some type of determination, what was really going on, and, and how did you get to that point? Well, being that I was getting testimony after testimony after testimony, uh, once I put myself out there to listen to these people that want to share this, um, I was seeing the same thing over and over, that there were people coming forth that said that they had had these experiences and they also had stopped it in the name and authority of Jesus Christ. Through prayer or through calling out, um, they had been able to stop that experience. And this was a database that wasn't being looked at. Actually, it was being kind of hidden. I was going to say it's probably discarded. Yeah. Well, discarded is a good word because I did talk to some of these leading researchers in abductions, and they said that they had had these cases also. And they and look at it them, as, as an outlying data point. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I asked them, if you've come across cases like this, why have you not shared this? And I usually got two answers from them, and it's, they always ask to go off the record, which means I can tell you what they said but not who said it. Mm-hmm. But what they said was, well, we didn't know what to make of it. And I would have been fine with that, but it was the second thing they said that caught my attention. And then it was usually, from every one of them, we didn't want to go there because it would affect our credibility in the realm. They didn't want to bring religion into the UFO realm. Well, if they didn't want to go there, that means they chose not to do this. Yeah, they they're being they're dishonest the researchers then. Yeah, mm-hmm. They were yeah. covering up. Yeah, if you're going to operate like that, you might as well be a politician. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Well, I told them, I said, you know, if this, if this database is there, if these, you're telling me there's more cases like this, I'm going to go find them and I'm going to document this database that this is happening with these people, that they are able to stop this experience. And you know what they said? Please do because we can't. 
And over the years, not one wow. of those people that I talked to has ever come against my research. The ones that I didn't talk to have come across come against my research very avidly, and I've had to deal with that with a number of these guys. Um, but so are you the you the bad cop of the UFO field? <laughs> you, you, you do the dirty work that they can't touch with a ten foot pole because it might hit to their uh, book sales. But uh, you you ask the questions they dare not ask. Well, I've actually used the term in a couple of my talks that I've done in Roswell. I I, I use the term that I'm the most hated man in ufology. Mm -hmm. and, uh, <laughs> but we are in the and, radio field, so we yeah. understand. <laughs> you understand. Um, but I knew that this had to be documented uh, to get the message out, to be able to share it with people. How many cases do you need to see? You know, and over fifteen over the ten years as a Christian and actually dealing with the truth in this. I now have worked with over 350 cases personally myself, you know, and again, I say, how many testimonies does it take for you to understand that this is, this is actually happening with these people, that they can stop this experience and not only stop it, they can terminate it from happening in their life. And it's through the name and authority of Jesus Christ. And because of that, it, I had to look as a researcher what the biblical record said concerning this experience. And why well, can, did this name make it stop? Hey, Joe, can you can you clarify just a little bit? What were the kind of examples of what you saw? What what did people yeah. do? The context in which they brought it up, and then what happened immediately that led you to see that there was something significant there? Well, as they were sharing the experience, I realized that these people were Christian people, <clears throat> and that's something that was, that puzzled me from the beginning, because Christians believe that they're not able to be affected by this type of experience. But something that we had to look at and, and look at real hard were the type of Christians these people were. And what we were able to see and make a difference of is there's a difference of a walk-to-walk Christian and a talk-to-talk -talk Christian. But that talk-to-talk -talk Christian is still a Christian. He may not be walking the walk, but he still has that faith. He still has that belief. And when he gets in trouble, he can still call out for help and still get that same help. So and just like the prodigal son, a prodigal son is still a son, and when it's time to go back and see dad when he's really in trouble, dad is there with arms open. Absolutely. Good analogy. And and what comes down to, I've had the term thrown at me before, is, you know, there's no there's no unbelievers in the foxhole. You know, <laughs> and that's something you have to look at, too. And, and a lot of these people we've come across have been unbelievers, but they were raised as children in the church. They knew about God and about Jesus and about Christianity, but they chose not to accept it. But at some point in their life when an experience like this happens, guess what name comes up, you know, and guess what name worked? Well, these people's lives were changed from that point on. You know, they saw firsthand that this name and authority is real and it's something that is, it can be touched and, and accepted and, that changes their life from there on. Would they just immediately disappear? Would they just say, help me, Jesus, or something like that, and these, these images just totally disappear? Yes, and actually, uh, they would actually fade out. They would actually disappear completely. The people would wake up. Uh, a number of different ways this would happen. There are people who said that they've still been harassed by them, and that's something we had to look at also. Why did it continue when with other people it didn't continue? And that's something in our research we saw that 
when we take them through the steps of actually helping them be set free from this experience, we go through a process of finding open doors that they have still open um, that we have to help them close. Uh, because now, when you, you when can, you say when you say open doors, what do you could you could you elaborate on that just a little bit? Sure. One thing that the the, the secular realm has been asking from time beginning in all of this UFO research is why do these people have the abduction experience? They have no answer for that. But we did find an answer. We actually found three answers, and it can be one of three ways that this happens to a person. One, you could openly ask for it. And believe me, there's people that do that. I go to these UFO conferences, and there's people that are saying, man, I'd love to have that experience to see what it is. You need to be careful what you ask for. You know, it's hard to believe people do that, but they do. They see these shows on TV, and they're enticed by them, and they want to experience it themselves. Be careful what you ask for. The second one we came across was people that said they had never done that, but yet they were still having the experience. And then Hmm. we started looking into what they were doing and how they were living their lives, and we found that there were a lot of ungodly doors that were open that were allowing this experience to happen, allowing the entities behind the experience to mess with their lives, and that's an open door. The one that puzzled us the most was when we had adults coming to us and said, well, I've had this experience since I was a child. I remember having this experience at five and six and seven years old. Well, that puzzled us at first because how could that person at that age openly ask for it? They didn't. They didn't didn't even know about this phenomenon. And did they unknowingly open any doors? Well, they're pretty innocent at that, that age. So that puzzled us and made us start looking at what else could be causing this at that age. Well, we started asking them about their family life, and we found open doors in the family life. And the parents were into bizarre things and, and ungodly things. And that looking Whoa. in Scripture, remember, Scripture tells us that the head of the household is the spiritual covering of that household. Well, they didn't have their head of the household as a spiritual covering. And if they don't have that spiritual covering then that family is open to all sorts of influence, demonic influence. So it's very careful that the head of the household puts that spiritual covering over their family because then their family's protected. If you don't do that, your family's left wide open. So it's just, like a fa- it's just like a father that had to put the blood on the doorpost and the lintel to protect his eldest son when Passover occurred. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh. And it, that's why it's so important. You know, in, in biblical theology, the man is the head of the household and the spiritual head of the household, and he needs to take that place. And a lot of times we don't see that in this society. Um, it's becoming less and less, and that's a lot of because of what the secular realm is doing, you know, trying to put the man not on the pedestal that God had put him on and trying to – the whole thing with, with women's rights and equality and all of that stuff, um, it, it kind of degrades the man. And, and puts him in a lesser position than what he was actually initiated to be from the beginning. And that's something that needs to be taken back. And we see examples in Scripture with, with gentlemen like Eli, who didn't take that position with his sons, and they sinned greatly, or King David, who uh, left an opening that afflicted his entire family afterwards because of his own weakness of leadership. Absolutely, and that's exactly what we're seeing here. So we're able to go back and and see how this experience came into these people's lives. And it was always through some type of doorway that was opened, whether unknowingly, whether you actually asked for it, or whether you had 
had that door opened for you, you know, when you were younger. And this is something that needs to be closed, you know, to be able to halt this experience. Wow. So uh, before we rudely interrupted you, you were going to explain about searching in the Bible for answers. What, what did the Bible show you to try to explain this mysterious activity? Well, the one thing that I knew had to be in Scripture, if this was all seemingly to be based from the Scripture, the one that piece that seemed to be missing is where is that Scripture that would explain how these people are able to stop this experience? And I started out with Ephesians 6.12, which explains who these entities are. Um, there's a hierarchy in the demonic realm, and these entities are part of that hierarchy. Uh, they're not flesh and blood. They're spiritual entities, and they're the ones that are that are harassing people uh, with this experience. And this experience is just a part of a major deception. So you, mi- you don't mince words. You immediately went to the understanding that their behavior replicated what you saw in Scripture that was according to the kind of behavior of demonic beings and what their motives were in Scripture, that there's yeah. an overlap. Why, what, what were the kind of things they did that made you think, ah, oh, this is the same kind of actions we see in Scripture? Well, <laughs> Ephesians 6.12 talks about a hierarchy of the demonic realm. And what we were seeing and, and understanding what demons and angels are is we understand what demons are and how they work. We, we see... They constantly want to have uh, a possession of, of a person or a physical being. We don't see that with these UFO entities. We see something entirely different. Um, possession is not something that comes up in the, in the UFO realm. It's a demonic influence. Well, that takes it into a different part of that hierarchy of the demonic realm. And what part is that? Well, when you start looking at the abilities that are described of these particular UFO alien entities, it's very angelic in nature. Mm. What you see in yeah. Scripture, the ability of God's angels through Scripture, how they're able to come into the flesh and appear as human beings, and they can eat, and everybody assumes that they're human, but they're angels. Lot in his family was a prime example. Right. They have that ability. We've also seen how they have the ability to pass through something or or. Or, or change appearance. This is an angelic ability. Well, we know that in Scripture they talk of fallen angels. A third of the host of heaven fell with Lucifer. Those are angelic beings. And what we feel that we're dealing with here in the UFO realm with these alien entities are demonic fallen angels. Their abilities are angelic in nature. It's not a technology which the secular realm mistakes it for, and that's something that I bring up in my talks. What we're seeing here is not high technology. What we're seeing here is just these entities' abilities to do what they do. Mm. But the secular realm doesn't want to accept that because to accept that comes consequences of believing that God is real, the Bible's real, yeah. and all of that. Yeah. Right. Now, well, now, in, I'm sorry. Go ahead. In Genesis 6, isn't that sort of a classic discussion of a modus operandi of these fallen angels that is very similar probably to what you see in these abduction events? Yes. I don't deal too much with Genesis 6, but I understand all about it and the writings that have been done on it. And uh, a lot of the researchers feel that that's where a lot of this came from. They actually show the abilities there in Genesis 6-4. And a lot of them feel that this is continuing here at the end, the same types of shenanigans, should I say, that they were doing then before the flood. 
reproductive experiments. In other words, they were doing reproductive activities. Some of our newer listeners, the the Bible gives indication if you study the Hebrew very carefully, that uh, that there were uh, sexual unions going on, that there were reproductive type events. If you if you go to other supportive scriptures like the Book of Enoch, which was with the Dead Sea Scrolls, another ancient book that was uh, used alongside the canon with our, our forefathers, uh, it goes into greater detail about these kind of experiments. It just sounds very, very much like the the reports of aliens today of their interest in the, our whole reproductive cycle and our DNA, and basically doing these experiments without our approval or authorization. Yes, and, and that is a lot of what Dr. David Jacobs looks at, um, is the whole hybridization, they call it. That's the term where they're trying to create a hybrid race of beings. Now, in my research, and I know I will catch a lot of flack from my fellow researchers, <laughs> you have to show me some of this right. or mm-hmm. we don't have the evidence. And the one thing that I I will keep it open, that it is a possibility that there is something going on uh, in this manner, but I have yet to see the evidence. And I don't think that it actually has to have, actually has to happen for this to serve its purpose. Remember, sure. we're dealing with deception. Right. And in something I see being that most of the people that have the abduction experience are women, um, it's a control factor involved with the abduction experience. Uh, there's a brainwashing involved. The, the, the term for the CE4 experience, close encounter to fourth kind, by Jack Vallee is reality transformation. And that's what we're seeing that's happening to these people. The whole purpose is to change their reality and change what they actually believe. And it's done through a brainwashing, and it's done through a control method. And part of that control method is this so-called belief in a hybridization going on. Does it really need to actually happen? No. Because if you just let that woman believe that they've had that they've used her eggs to further a hybridization and make a, uh, a hybrid being and actually show her this being, and this is all done during the abduction experience, you're going to get that woman hooked because of that maternal instinct. It's a very, very powerful weapon to be hmm. playing with. Sure. And I believe yeah. that is actually what's happening with this whole experience. It doesn't even need to actually be happening. It's so, just so, the illusion of it. And they develop what something akin to a Stockholm Syndrome, where yes. they develop an affinity for these very beings who have assaulted them? And uh, terrorized them. And and that's a dangerous place to be when they get to that point. And and every time when they get to where they side with the beings, they walk right into the New Age belief system. And this is where the New Age metaphysical belief system goes hand in hand with the UFO phenomenon. Because its purpose is to get that person to that belief system, to take their belief system away from the one true God of the Bible and take it into the New Age belief system. Hmm. And what messages are these beings giving these people? Can you summarize the, the common themes? Uh, their yeah. their, doc, their doctrine. Um, they preach a New Age gospel. Mankind can attain godhood. They, can, they encourage the doing away with biblical truths. There is no sin or need for atonement. They say Jesus did not die on the cross for the atonement of sin. These are messages that come through with these experiences to these people. Jesus' resurrection was an alien intervention. Jesus was just another <laughs> ascended master, half human, half alien. 
They teach reincarnation and karma. They teach moral relativism. Everyone has their own truth. They teach pantheism. They teach one world government. They teach one world religion. They teach one world government, huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. And And uh, this is a major flag that needs to be looked at when it goes up. I mean, these these are so-called alien beings coming from across the galaxies to this little planet to teach a new gospel. You know, they only are teaching a new gospel to Christianity. They don't teach that Hinduism is wrong or Buddhism is wrong or any of the other isms are wrong. And yet none of those agree with each other. They only come after the one religion of Christianity. And that has to shoot up a red flag. Sure. And that's something you need to look at. And as we've looked at that, then we understand what their whole purpose is, is to take that person's belief system away in the one true God. Well, uh, do they do they have any negative aspects? I know they make a lot of promises that if we get our act together and I'll get pulling in the same direction and save our environment and get our government in one thing, that good things will happen. Do they talk about any consequences if we don't do what they tell them to do? Yeah, and it's it's patterns a lot a lot along with uh, what we have from Revelation, the same things that we see in the book in the Christian book of Revelation that are happening in the end to happen in the end times kind of mirror what they're saying and that's something that you have to look at too you know obviously they know what the end is going to be and mm-hmm. if they're angelic mm-hmm. beings and if they're fallen angels they do know what their end is, is coming to and they're trying to entice us to follow them as our saviors you know and that's that's something that the new age realm looks at is these beings will, will be coming here to save us from all of our mess that we've created. Now, if uh, if they mention Jesus or our request, were you saying they just disappear instantly, or do they try to offer some kind of resistance or try to tell them not to say this, or basically are they just totally overwhelmed by it and disappear instantly? Usually are overwhelmed, but I've heard cases where they've gotten very angry and gotten resistant, but the people at that point recognize that, hey, there's an issue here. And that's when they, they, they come at them even stronger, and then they will make them go away. Hmm. But there is some work for the termination of, of this experience. We're talking about stopping the experience, but something we found in our research is that we can actually take these people through a process that will actually help them terminate the experience from their life. Because something we see in the uh-huh. abduction realm is that this is something that follows through people's lives you know, from, from the time of the first experience to the time they die. And it's something that we see reoccurring in generational cycles. Mm -hmm. But we've come across a way that we will take them through a process to help them get completely free to where they are set free from it for their entire life. Well, I I, want to cover that and and focus on that in just a minute. But I I have a little bit of a tangential question I want to ask you, just a little mop-up, because I want to focus on how you uh, address this uh, particular issue. There's a lot of talk uh, right now about this whole concept of indigo children. And I see that it's morphed into something called starseed children, where they supposedly were birthed from uh, star nations far away, and they're in communication with them now, and they're coming back. Have any of your things drifted into that? Because uh, they claim that they've had channeling experiences with these beings who are coming back for them, and it's a growing movement. H- have you been involved at all with that? I've 
paid very close attention to that. And I will tell you that's just more of the powerful deception that these entities are putting on us. Okay. And hmm. These entities are perpetuating a deception that is of a, of a universal nature. I mean, it, it, this thing is huge. And we were warned about an end-time delusion, and, and we actually feel that this whole thing is probably part of it. And the whole purpose is to take our eyes away from God. Because if you believe any of what they're telling about these star children, you can't believe in the one God in the scripture that we have um, that comes from him. It doesn't go hand in hand. It goes against everything that, that our scripture says is to be real. It's amazingly mainstream when you see people like Diane Sawyer having documentaries on on phenomena <laughs> yeah. like this. Um, yeah. Are you allowed to go speak at UFO conferences and conventions? And if so, how do people treat you today? <laughs> um, well, after this last Roswell event, it's probably going to be a little tougher. Um, so you put, your, you put your cards on the table, huh? In this I, absolutely. And uh, I had the opportunity to be the director of this year's Roswell UFO conference as a Christian. And, uh, of course, that oh. opens the door where I can, if I'm the director, I can schedule myself to speak, which I did. And uh, I shared the talk yeah. with uh, my partner, David Rafino, who's helped oh, me uh, work on my book. By the way, just for our, our listeners, how many UFO aficionados around the world come to that every year, roughly? Uh, well, they estimate 40,000 people. 40,000? Uh, oh, my yeah, rolling into town for that weekend. Okay. So, uh, and they're all there looking for answers, you know, and, and that's why we go there, and that's why we've established a presence in Roswell uh, to try and reach people, you know, where they're coming for truth, let us be there to help them give them the real truth. And I did share the truth, absolute truth, this year in Roswell, and uh, I shared it with my partner, David Rafino from DelusionResistance.org, and um, we, we, we went at it like it was going to be our last talk, and they mm -hmm. were absolutely stunned. And, uh, well, good we, for you. Good for you. <laughs> the title was Unholy Communion, the Unwanted Piece of the UFO Puzzle. And uh, we now have the DVD. <laughs> and you, can, you can get that off my CE4 research site. And they, they can never say they weren't warned. Exactly. They can never stand before God and said, no one ever warned me about this. And you, and you, you laid the facts out there for them to consider Christ and their accountability to, to what reality they accept. Well, I did more than that. I actually brought living evidence on stage. I had a stage full of people who were actual living evidence, not fuzzy pictures, not fuzzy videos, wow. not strange marks on the ground. I brought the testimonies themselves to Roswell and had them on stage where you could touch them and talk to them, and that stunned them. Were, were, were you booed? How, how would you describe their <laughs> response to you? It was very mixed. Uh, a lot of the other researchers were kind of angry. Um, they felt they had kind of been set up. Um, <laughs> but, you know, actually, I was set up because if you look at the whole conference as a whole, you will see that they were setting the foundation that where they were que all of the speakers were questioning what this phenomenon really was. Are we really dealing with ex actual extraterrestrials? Could they be spirit beings? Could they be light beings? Could they be angels? I mean, the question was brought up all through the conference. All I did was use it and close wow. the door. Well, um, you know, this, this leads me uh, to, to, to the next topic. Here we have, as you say, 40,000 seekers from around the world looking for answers. Where is the church? Where are the people of God except for you and a couple other pastors there to to provide truth and provide 
uh, love and a means of deliverance to these people. Why is the church so poorly equipped to deal with this issue? I don't have an answer for that, but we are available to help equip them for this issue. One thing that I do find that with a lot of the testimonies that I've worked with is when they realized they were having a problem and they tried to share this with their local church that they attended, they were shunned. And that's a sad thing because these people are actually hurting and need help. And the one organization that should be there to help them and and bring them through this is the church. And actually they were part of the church. And I have to do a lot of uh, rebuilding in these people's lives and getting them to actually become more involved again because they get a little resistant when they've been turned away. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're very hurt by that. And we have tools available to help educate the church, but it, there's a fear factor involved, you know, with people that are, are, are regular churchgoers that don't get involved with any of this paranormal stuff. There is a fear of, of opening that door and actually having to look at this. Uh, but it's something that, as time comes on, and as you see this getting bigger and bigger with all of the shows from Hollywood and TV, and people have a um, they have a want to explore this, that there's going to be a major fallout from all of this, and somebody's going to have to be there to pick up the pieces. And we hope the church is there to help do this. Hmm. So, so just like uh, a generation ago, the church may not have been equipped to help people who had. Uh, general mil- mental illness and was not sure. there to counsel them, had to keep it. Now we're at a stage where people have some other kind of torment. And I don't know, would you, would you agree that there's potentially millions of people that have had some experience like this if you went and got every one of them that oh, could absolutely. need help? Absolutely. And millions. Wow. So so all these people are out there. Now, now I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these people had already been shunned for some other reason earlier in their life by the church, and that's what set them up to be more accepting of something like this. Have you found that common, too, that they've had an earlier wounding by the church? That's where the New Age comes from. I never, mm. When I was in the New Age, I always heard from New Age people. The, the New Age doesn't go out witnessing to people, okay? They don't do yeah. that. Yeah, they people take, come to them. Yeah, I was going to say, the they take out. Yeah. It's the fallout from people that have been hurt by Christianity, you know, improperly taught or wrongly taught or not taught, you know, not taught, things that they needed to be taught at all Mm -hmm. and they were hurt by it and they went looking for answers elsewhere and believe me there's a whole realm out there that's waiting for you to come to them waiting for you to open that door so this is a second opportunity for uh, ministers and those within the church that seek to minister to other people where maybe they get a second chance to, to set the record straight where there's been a wounding that's gone on for whatever reason and people need help but we have to get over our own stigma about worrying about what other people think about us and doing these things and actually reach out and in love, not care what other people think, and do what we can to minister to these people, correct? Absolutely. This is no other this is no different than if somebody had opened the door onto drug abuse or alcoholism or pornography. This is just another door that the enemy has stuck out there for people to open up and walk into and become lost in. And it, but it's a new one to the church. You know, they know how to deal with people that have had drug abuse. They know how to deal with people that are deal with pornography or alcoholism. This is just a new one, and we're here to help educate them. We give them all the tools that they that they would need, and we we ask that you let us come in and do the talks for you, because I know it's very hard for a pastor of a large congregation to 
step into this realm, um, mm. you know, because of what that might do to people that aren't really ready for it. Let us do it for you. You know, mm. we're, we're available. Well, um, explain to us about your ministry, uh, how, yeah. how it evolved, how you went from just putting the pieces together to deciding the Lord led you to do something about it, what your ministry comprises, and, and how you provide deliverance resources to those that are afflicted. Well, when I first got into this, like I said earlier, um, it was just for the research. But as I started posting the testimonies as the evidence on, on Internet website, um, the CE4 research site, I had people that eventually started looking at those testimonies and say, could you help me? Well, that was a whole other realm to get into. But I had the tools because of the people I had worked with before. I knew how these people had been set free themselves, and I was now able to take those tools and start helping others be set free. And that right there becomes a ministry when you start doing that. And that's where we've moved into. Um, over the years, we tried to bring more and more people uh, in to help us do this, because how do a handful of people work with 5 million people that are hurting? We can't do all of this. So we've set up a counseling group that's called the AACCOA.org. That's the website, Alien Abduction Crisis Centers of America. And we we're establishing counselors all over the country so that we can try to get closer to where that experiencer is calling from. We can say, well, we have somebody close to you that we can help you, you know, become involved with and, help, and they can work with you instead of trying to do it all long distance. And we now have counselors that are coming in from all over the country, and we, act, we actually are looking at changing the name because we have counselors that have come on board in other countries that are wanting to make themselves available to work with these people. And then we also have what is called safe havens, and that's where we'll actually list an address and, and phone number and contact information for a church that would call, of, call itself and be recognized as a safe haven for people that have had these experiences. We won't turn you away. You're welcome here to come and, and, witness, and worship with us. You, you're, you're welcome to come here and learn and, and be healed with us, you know, and go through the process of healing. We welcome you here, and that's two things that we're working on. Hmm. And, and, and that's something that we've been looking for for years, and it's slowly coming about. And we're hoping that that's the part that will grow. Okay. So, so, so now the Lord has led you in a ministry where theoretically you could potentially help millions of people be restored to the body of Christ. Yes. God, God is wonderful. What oh, He can absolutely. do with, within, <laughs> yeah. with individuals like us. When we're brave enough to step out in frontier areas that He has already tried, uh, you know, sort of like walking out on the water when the storm's going, you know. If we're willing to reach out and take His hand in those areas and don't look down on the water, but look straight at Him, um, there can be wonderful things can happen in the storms of this oppression. Uh, we can see him disperse uh, yeah. when when we trust in him in this kind of work. Um, can, uh, can you share anything else about uh, some of your other uh, assistants? I know you mentioned some of the pastors that helps you. How, how do you all sort of all integrate together and, and share notes or, or whatever to provide these services? Well, nowadays you can get you know un, unlimited long distance phone service, which enables us to be able to talk to each other anytime we want, and then a lot of it's done through email and. We also have some newsletters through the websites. Um, Dave Rafino through the DelusionResistance.org website. That he's going to be my partner on my book that I'm working on, Unholy Communion. 
And uh, he does a wonderful newsletter, and you, all you have to do is contact him through the website and say, add me to your list. And he has a ton of information. He's, he's actually dealing with a lot more of the deceptions uh, that the demonic realm put on us than just the UFO realm, mm-hmm. um, UFO phenomenon. And then there's Guy Malone with Alien Resistance, and he's a, a, a warehouse Internet of information for people who want to be able to um, share this with others. And then I'm kind of tied in with all of them. We try to stay interconnected so that we can use the Internet for people that are searching for information on UFOs and alien abductions. Our names will pop up, and they'll hopefully, you know, be led to come to us and look at what we have to say. Let me ask you, in your your deliverance and your ministry, one of the things that I see a little different is that a lot of related oppression issues, there's some subset of them that are psychological in nature but still very, very real. And then there's some like certain addictions and other things where there's there's even a demonic influence in in the control of this. This is a case where the demonic is so extreme that it actually has a physical manifestation or something akin to it. Does that lead to some very very special techniques and things you have to do to lead people uh, free of this? Not really. And I'll take you into how that's done. It, it, it's real simple. And actually, it is something that we have been doing for quite a few years in the beginning. We had just never documented it and wrote it down, our, our process. And then my wife came across a book um, that she, when she got done with it, she says, you need to look at this book. I think it would help your ministry. And I got to looking at it, and it was written by Dr. Henry W. Wright, and it's called uh, A More Excellent Way, Be in Health, it's Spiritual Roots of Disease, Pathways to Wholeness. And in his book, he has a section called The Eight R's to Freedom. And when I read these eight R's, I realized that this is exactly what we had already been doing but never had written it down. So we now post this excerpt from his book on our site uh, so people can see it. And the eight R's, I'll take you through. It's real easy. The first thing you do is recognize. You must recognize what it is. Well, that's it's a deception. And once you can have those scales taken off the eyes and be shown that this is a deception, then you've done number one. Number two is responsibility. You must take responsibility for what you recognize. Okay? The third one is repent. Repent to God for participating in what you recognize. You recognize it, you recognize what it is. You recognize it's wrong. You repent for what you, what you've done and getting into that area in the first place. Number four is renounce. You make what you recognize your enemy and renounce it. Number five, and sometimes this one gets kind of tough, is remove it. Get rid of it once and for all. That means you've got to shut all those doors. Number six, resist. When it tries to come back, resist it. Now, why would it try to come back? Because you used to belong to them, and they're going to test you. They're going to still try to put a hold on you. So it is a fight, Mm -hmm. and it is something that we do have to resist. Just like they test every believer after you get saved. Oh, absolutely. They never let go of any single person, no matter what the affliction is. Exactly. Number seven, rejoice. Give God thanks for setting you free. And number eight is the key one. Number eight is, (coughs) excuse me, restore. Help someone else to get free. And how do you do that? By sharing your testimony. That's why I post these testimonies. Because somebody's going to come along and see that testimony and they're going to go, I've had that experience also. I want to be set free from it. So that's why the testimonies are so important. 
And going back right to the beginning where we started tonight, I told you that when I told God in the beginning, you got to give me something more to take back to the New Age realm. What is it I took back? Testimony. And once they see the testimony and they accept the testimony as being real, now you can share the Word of God with them. Mm-hmm. Which the testimony, testimony is the only thing we as Christians have. Exactly. We have, I mean, we, we have an open tomb and, 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 and a word of testimony in Scripture, but it's really our, our testimony and our word, no matter what the audience is, yep. is the very thing, sometimes our most powerful tool that God's given us, we set on. Um, now, as far as testimonies go, how many do you have recorded since your ministry started do you have? How many have said that they've been delivered or set free? From your well, I've, I've, I've worked with over 350, and they've all either been set free or they asked to be helped set free, which they were. Now, I have 75, I think, posted on my website right now that you can read. Um, I, I ask them if they, when I take them through the eight R's, I try to get their testimony at the end. A lot of people are reluctant because they don't want to put themselves out there, you know, and for harassment from the public or whatever. And I understand that. That's fine. But they will share their testimonies with others when it's time. Um, but I'm able to get 75 of those powerful testimonies up on the website. And I have more coming in all the time. And that's the one thing we ask for is help us set other, set other people free. And your testimony can do that. So we post those up there. And, again, that's, it's how many does it take, you know? Well, those eight R's, um, they don't seem like they would sit very well with the New Age community. Things oh, no. like take, <laughs> take, take responsibility, repent. Those are those are bad words. Uh, but I tell I'll, you, if you get them through the first one, where you show them the research, show them the other testimonies, if you can get them through that first one, recognize, and they do recognize that this is all a deception by by a demonic realm, you've got them started on the way to the eight. Wow, and that's something all the other researchers there at Roswell. Uh, couldn't refute what you said because they really don't have a clue. No. Yeah. Well, um, uh, in, in in regard to this, I can remember when I heard you speak at Roswell, and I, I was not familiar with your work, uh, ha- had no idea. And when you spoke and, and showed some video testimonies of some of these individuals, I was really impressed. And then when you suggested that people stand up in the audience, and I saw people of every shape and size, and they just looked like the average kind of people that I you know, could live next door to that actually stood up and said, yes, we were under this oppression. Many times it was multi-generational, like you said, but someone put a stop to it. And they all testified to the glory of Jesus Christ as a result of their testimony. And I tell you, it created wow. a real revival there. Uh, there was a lot of glorifying of God that was going on in that room when you did that. And uh, I can remember you also... Should <laughs> you should have seen it this year when I did it. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're and definitely going to have a hard time. Well, I can remember, uh, I think it was the next day after that, when you and a couple of other pastors spoke about the demonic nature of this. And a lot of the, the New Age types, some of them you could tell are definitely in occult activities, came over and were really bothered by what you had to say. But they were very bothered by the authority, I could tell, that yeah. you could speak. with. But you, you, you spoke not with arrogance, not with any kind of uh, self-pride, uh, but out of a spirit of love. And I, I could tell they felt that very disconcerting, and I could, I could tell that there was real spiritual warfare going on. And and my uh, my cohort and I were very busy praying for you, mm-hmm. uh, while they while they were trying to attack you in the words that you were saying. And I was so proud of how you handled yourself. 
But I really felt God working there, and that's why I felt comfortable with what you were doing, because I, I could see God's hand work, and, and Jesus was being glorified uh, in, in what you were doing. Uh, what should Christians, and we're coming up toward the end of our show here, what should Christians and the church in general expect to see in the days ahead regarding the next stages of this phenomena? Well, since I've been in this field since 1992, I have seen it increase exponentially. Um, the sightings are more, the, the abductions are more, Hollywood has taken on more of a hold of it. The whole idea of paranormal activity with, you know, your ghost hunters on TV, everybody seems to be watching these shows. These people in society today are being bombarded with information and shows about the paranormal. They also have a longing, a hole in their heart that they're trying to feel, trying to fill. And they're looking for something. And I tell you, they're, they're taking this whole paranormal thing to try and fill that hole. But that's just a deception for the, the real paranormal, I would have to say paranormal activity of God himself. That's a paranormal experience when you have a relationship with God. And, but it's a true experience compared to a, you know, a false experience. Mm -hmm. But the enemy has increased his activity. And I don't know where this is coming, you know, full fold in the end, but it is absolutely increasing and it's becoming very dangerous for the church. The one thing that we're seeing is a lot of signs and wonders. But you have to be able to discern whether it's lying signs and wonders or true signs and wonders for God. People are getting so caught up, not just the secular realm, but the church also with signs and wonders. It needs to be relationship not just signs and wonders. You need to have that personal relationship where you can actually experience that relationship with God himself, with Jesus Christ. That is the true experience. Don't substitute it for lying signs and wonders or mm -hmm. any kind of signs and wonders, which I see a lot of the attraction is today. Okay. And so that is something we need to be on guard for, is we're going to see some amazing things that occur. But even Scripture says that God says sometimes he'll even send false prophets. They can do signs and wonders, but they will try to turn uh, his people away to other gods to test them and to see if they hold fast to him. He says this in the Old oh. Testament. And that's a, that's a word for all of us. We need to be so, so careful that we're being watched and we're going to be tested to see if we'll hold fast to what we know true about Christ. And uh, certainly the enemy uh, will, will be full-time in doing that. What, what do you foresee as possible future developments uh, in your ministry in, in, in this field that you're in? What, can, can you share us a little bit about where you see things are going? Well, we're hoping that we can build up our counseling um, group to reach all over the country, uh, mm -hmm. to have more people come on board to be available to work with these people. And our, our goal is to be able to reach the church. It's a lot easier for us to actually go into a UFO conference and speak, believe it or not, uh, than get into a church and speak. And we hope to be able to turn that around. And the talk that we did in Roswell this year, we have it on DVD. It is available through the website. And I tell you, I've already gotten responses from all over from this particular video. And we believe that this is the tool that can, the church can use to share, to show what this phenomenon is actually about it's the actual evidence because a lot of believers don't believe that this experience is even real to begin with well like i said it's it's real to the people that are having it it's, it doesn't have to be real to you what has to be real to you is that you know that this these people can be helped through the name and authority of jesus christ and we show that evidence on this video 
this is a very, very powerful video. And this is one that the church can get, get a hold of and actually share with other people and use as a witnessing tool. Everything is there in this one video. Wow. Even the evidence, the people's right on stage. You can see them face to face. I think I'm going to have to get that video. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and we want to make sure people know how to do that. But I, but I want to first ask for the people who are listening and, and whose hearts are touched by what they've heard, by what you shared, and they feel a sense of uh, compassion and love for these people who are being exposed to oppression that's going on, and particularly those in our audience who uh, believe that we may be entering the last days and that Satan is going to be very, very active and present in our midst. He's already, you can already see his hand at work today in many manifestations and are willing to understand that this may be yet another manifestation, but it may be one of the scariest and most horrific for those who experience it. And they feel that, w that whatever they could do to help the cause, they want to be able to help. Uh, how can people like that, including pastors in our audience, uh, who are willing to be trained and, and to seek to help those who are afflicted, how can they help your cause and get involved in your work? Um, they can come on board as if they're pastors and they have a church. We would love to have them as to be recognized as a safe haven. We have all the tools for them to educate uh, themselves on what this experience is about and how we work with these people. Um, if they want to help the ministry itself, they can contact me through the CE4 website. And the one thing is, like I say, I try not to put it on the pastors themselves. Let us come in and do the talks. Let us bring the evidence there. And, and let us, as an outsider, come in and share with them because we've done the research. Let us have the opportunity to speak in these churches. That's the one thing that we're asking the most. Let us do it for you. We're prepared. This is what we've done for, for 10 years now, and all of us have been in this for at least that long, if not longer. And we are prepared to help the church, and that's all we're asking for is give us that opportunity. Okay. And what if someone is having these events, if they're, if they're as common places we hear, then I have no doubt there are a number of people who are hearing us right now. Where can they go to quickly get help for this torment that they're under? If they go to the AACCOA.org website, that's our counseling website, and we have a click-on on there that shows you a division, how the country is divided up, southeast, uh, northeast, southwest, northwest, and you can click on a counselor that's close to you, or you can contact me myself. I don't mind. Uh, I deal with people every week, you know, two and three at a time. And uh, we will actually talk with you and take you through the process and show you what we have found and answer any questions you might have. Well, uh, if you don't mind, we'd like to put that link on our website at futurefight.com yeah, with absolutely. your permission. Sure. If that's all right. And, and, Joe, we just have a couple minutes left. Uh, and we don't do this very often, but would you be so kind as just take just a minute or two to say a quick prayer for those people who are in our audience listening right now, that God has led them to listen to the show right now, that they okay. could find deliverance, and we would pray yeah. that uh, the Lord Jesus would deliver them. Okay. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to be able to share this message uh, with these people that are listening in the audience tonight. We know that this is a time that some of these people – you, you divinely inspired them to come to this radio show, to listen to this radio show for a purpose of being able to be healed that have gone through this process. We, we thank you for making this radio show available so that they can reach people and thousands of people at that. This is something that we know that is going to be happening through these later end times. We know that people are going to be afflicted by it, and we just thank you for the opportunity to be able to share with them 
and hopefully that they're able to understand the truth, and if not, they can contact us for more truth. And we thank you for the opportunity that this is something that is the first time in probably history that we've come to this point in time that we can actually share the truth with millions of people about a major deception. And we ask you to watch over these people, guide these people, and help them come out of this ministry. They are being deceived, and we know that the truth can set them free. And the truth is your word, God. We thank you in Jesus' holy name. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord Jesus. Thank you so much, Pastor Joe. Thank you for your time yeah, with us. For your, this was great. For your faithful ministry. We know that you love these people, that you take great risk in ridicule, particularly from fellow brothers and sisters in the Lord who don't understand what you're doing. Uh, I, I wish they could understand and appreciate that the fields are widened to harvest. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if, if they would just merely uh, uh, take the time to uh, learn more, to be educated, to see what God's doing, God is working in the midst. Uh, and I want to just thank you personally for your testimony and your witness to us and encouragement to us. Thank you. Uh, and you have yeah. a friend here in the show, and I'd like Two for you like for you to come back and keep us posted on what you're seeing in the field. You're out on the frontiers of hearing what's going on in this demonic deception here in the last days. And some of your information, and we know these creatures are deceivers, but anything you hear that in, in your heart the Holy Spirit tells you are things that we can be on guard for. We sure appreciate you keeping us updated. Sure, I'd love to. Okay, and uh, we just would uh, welcome you to come back anytime to share with us. And oh, please, yeah. please give us your, your website, uh, however people can contact you again. One more time, please. Okay, www.ce, the number four, research, altogether.com. Okay, and uh, you said a YouTube, you have a YouTube video out from, from Roswell, is that correct? Is it it's a, an actual YouTube? It's an actual video from the conference talk itself where we did Unholy Communion, the unwanted piece of the puzzle. And okay. it's actually an hour-and-a-half video of the talk I did at the Roswell wow. UFO Festival this year. Mm-hmm. I mean, we actually did a – we dropped a God bomb on Roswell. I mean, worldwide. Wow. Well, I, I can tell you, when I was there in 2005, it was a life-changing experience for me. Uh, I had already just started reading about a couple of the speakers that were there at the Ancient of Days conference when it was a little tiny conference just out on the perimeter of what was going on at the uh, UFO festival. But but you and Guy Malone and a number of other individuals, God has brought together from around the country, and he's brought together a, a real motley crew together <laughs> to do his work in a special area. And, and the fact that he even worked it out through uh, Guy's unique personality and and his alien stranger persona and things like that, mm-hmm. to bring about a leadership position for you all in Roswell, to where you had this opportunity to have a Pentecost-type moment, or Mars Hill moment, in front of this community of people. And I know God was honored with what you did. And uh, there will be enormous fruit that will come from what you've done. I thank you, guys. Thanks. Well, please come back at any time. Oh, yeah. And uh, please keep us updated on what's going on. And ladies and gentlemen, um, do not if you need help, do not hesitate to go to his website. We encourage you, please, while, while the, the Lord can speak to you, please do it. If you can help him, if you're willing even just to consider it, please go to the website. Uh, and uh, you can always find the link at futurequake.com. Again, thank you so much, Joan. Thank you so much for in, in, uh, educating our listeners today. All right. Thank you. Okay. Thank you very much. Yep. Nothing can change the shape of things. Nothing can change the shape of things to come.
Welcome back to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom Bionic. And it's good to be back again on Friday. Wowzer. I'm ready to go. Is that all you have to say? Well, I've got... <laughs> That's a loaded Just question. Wowzer? I couldn't think of anything else to say for the for the, maybe the first time in future quake history. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we, I just want to thank you right now. Thank you so much for the privilege and the honor mm-hmm. of coming into your radios or your computers uh, to be able to uh, do this show every week. Mm-hmm. And it's just the greatest listeners in the world listen to us, and I just want to thank you right now for it. God is doing God is doing neat things. Yeah. Um, through our, Boy, our listeners yeah. and to the people that we and, meet on our show. And yeah. I, I think Joe Jordan, who was on this week, was no exception. You know what? Uh, as I've said, as I said just a minute ago before you hit the play button, for me personally, I think it really filled in a lot of, uh, uh, spiritual, like I, like I said to Joe, you know, God tends to, uh, with me, God tends to give me one end of the spectrum and the other end of the spectrum, uh, in a theological sort of continuum and then sort of fills in the middle. And I think a lot of what Joe Jordan said was a lot of, uh, filling in of the middle uh, for me personally. And, you know, now that I think about it, probably for a lot of the show, you know, with both Tom Horn and, uh, uh, you know, with Joe talking about the spiritual doorways, you know, that that fills, that's, you know, we had a lot, we've had a lot of other people on, like Chris Pinto talking about some of those doorways, uh, tangentially anyway. So I think you really fit well mm-hmm. with the guests and uh, with Everything in Future Quake stands for. I cannot wait to see the video that he did at Roswell at the, the UFO festival. Me neither. Um, we need more brave Christian men like that. Yeah. Um, there are brave Christian women. I know you and I have watched some stuff and some new productions that are coming out. We got the free screen about one particularly uh, brave lady. I look forward to talking to lady. Who's, yeah. Who's been almost like a Nazi hunter in the spiritual yeah. realms. We're gonna have to get her. Uh, 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 the that uniform that guy used to wear with the funny hat and the the top hat and the coat. I, I have no idea what you're talking about. The guy in Monopoly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the guy in Monopoly. Uh, Mr. Well, Steed or uh, <laughs> the Mr. Peanut. Mr. Peanut. Okay. Now I understand. Yeah. No. 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 The Nazi hunter guy. I can't remember his name. Simon Wiesenthal. That guy. He always wore that. He always wore that uh, uh, that hat. I didn't know that. Oh, I ever, all the pictures I've ever seen him in, he's got this kind of goofy looking hat. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he appreciates you referring to it that way. Well, you know, I'm not a Nazi, so he's not going to hunt me down. Yeah. So. Well, um, so so you thought Joe Jordan had some interesting. I hope he didn't freak out our listeners too much. But then Dude, again, as so an what? understatement. You know, it was you know it was cool was his testimony uh, about how he came to the Lord via studying this what he now believes, and I would certainly concur. Uh, now believes is this very spiritual, dark spiritual phenomenon. Right. Right. And um, he just comes across as a very level-headed, um, no-nonsense, he's not a you know, real yeah. strange kind of guy. No. He's, he's just dealing in a very, very special part of spiritual warfare. He almost has like uh, an air of, of kind of an engineer about him almost, you might say. Well, that would be a compliment. It is. It yeah, is. He's very, like, he's very structured in what he says. It's not uh, fantastic. It's very matter-of-fact. Mm-hmm. Um, very good... Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Merv will tell you toward the end of the show about how you can give us some feedback. We'd like to know what you thought about about Mr. Jordan or any mm. of our guests that we yeah. have. And uh, we're looking forward to hearing particularly about any suggestions you have for topics that uh, 
things that you think are really important that could impact the life of your family or other people you know uh, that we know to cover on our show. Mm-hmm. We've got some really cool guests coming up. I think we could share at least next week. Uh, yeah. Who's coming on? Well, we're doing the is next week the the, the potpourri. Yeah. Well, what do you call those Oriental restaurants where they come around the cart? Dim sum. Dim sum. It's future dim sum. Yeah. Yeah. Where if if y'all are if y'all are like me and you know you grew up here we don't eat that phony stuff. <laughs> a dim sum restaurant is an Oriental one where you take little small bits yeah. off the cart that it, goes by and it keeps coming by, right? It's almost like it's almost like having a meal full of appetizers. Yeah, okay. You know, that that would be a way for somebody to think about it. You know, you get a little small uh uh serving of one thing and then uh every time the cart comes by you get something different and uh you end up having seven or eight different things at the course of your meal. Okay, so next week we're going to have uh Future Quake dim sum. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Probably a, a, a record in radio, probably to have a dim sum themed show. I don't know, but week. with all this dim sum, you know, talk, I'm thinking that maybe we should go have an ice cream. We're getting getting hungry. Yeah. Well, um, can you tell them who all is going to be on the show next week? I would love to. We're having uh, the vice president candidate, vice presidential candidate from the Constitution Party, as mm-hmm. I recall, right? Daryl Castle. Daryl Castle. He's going to be, be joining us, and it's taking a lot of work to get. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, somebody from their ticket on our show because they're campaigning around the country right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's and, uh, that's what I'm looking forward. He's to. a favorite son yeah. out of Memphis, and mm-hmm. uh, he's gonna he's gonna be here joining us. Cool. Who else? Uh, we're gonna have the C Triple A from uh, the Anchor Fellowship. They're the Christian Actions Against Apathy group. Mm-hmm. Um, talking about some of the stuff that they're doing, and uh, they have a documentary movie night out. It's gonna be August the 30th at. Uh, 7 p.m. I'll just give them a little plug. At the Anchor? At the Anchor Fellowship. Okay. I think that's 169 3rd Street. Okay. Uh, 7 p.m. Going to uh, be showing some of the work of Chris Pinto. Yeah, who's we're going to. a guest on our yeah, show. He's been a guest a few times, and we're going to have him on. Uh, they're going to have him there at the Anchor. And uh, So if you, if you like that kind of stuff, like your know, Future Quake, it's a chance for everybody to meet together and meet mm-hmm. kindred spirits. Yeah. Well, and he's actually going to be there uh, to both present the. The video and answer questions that people mm-hmm. might have because I'm sure there'll probably be a lot of them. Will there be any other prestigious people that'll be there too? Me and you. Okay, good. You, <laughs> you saw where I was going with that. Yeah. You're coming, right? So if you, oh, you bet you're fine. Yeah. The Future Quake staff will be there. Yes. The the dynamic duo. We might have to see Merv Future and Tom Bionic. Oh yeah, we need to twist Merv's arm. Yeah. Uh, to be on there. But anyway, join us down there. We'll yes. hear more about it next mm-hmm. week. Uh, and then also we're going to have a very special show about a visit that you had. Do you want to tell them yes. or do you want them to wait? Uh, I don't know. I wish we had a coin to flip or something or some lots to cast. Okay. It's a very, a way it's to a do very it. mysterious show mm-hmm. about a, an, an enigmatic place. Yes. That, that you were at. I'll just, I'll just tell them. We'll just tell them. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I wound my, I wound up being at, uh, uh, about 10 feet in front of the, uh, main gate of the Bohemian Grove, actually. Uh, and for those of you that don't know the Bohemian Grove, I encourage you to go to YouTube and type in Bohemian Grove Exposed and watch some of the videos. Yeah. It'll blow your mind. Yeah, it's just a future quake kind of place to be hanging out. Except, yeah, except it, we're not invited into Bohemian Grove. Yeah, and they, you know, we're being good, you know, believers of the Bible. You know, we don't go yeah, that wouldn't be allowed there. giant either. owls and stuff. That's true. Yes. But if you want to hear more about it, we're going to talk about it mm-hmm. on a special show next week. So you're mm-hmm. just getting a grab bag. And then we'll still have tomorrow's Tremors mm-hmm. or today's Review oh, of the yes. Future's News. So it'll be a great week. And then the week after that, 
we have an incredible guest that our listeners have been asking for for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone who is extremely difficult to get, but some somebody is who are his will initi- are his initials CM. Uh, I don't want to give it away. Ooh, okay. I don't, I don't want to give it away. Because I was gonna if if they were, then I was yeah. gonna give. Uh, and we already have some other big people even lined up after him. Wow. I just gave it away. It's funny how we, it's funny how we were talking a couple of weeks ago. We were thinking. You know, you were saying, boy, I'm just having, you know, not a lot of people have called it's back. And so now it's just like I was for some reason catching everybody bad time. And then it was like within five minutes, uh, some of these big name people just started responding. And so mm-hmm. we've got to have a, a very exciting uh, end of August and September on Future Quake show. I'm looking forward. We probably need to get on to some news. I was going to say, why don't you hit us with a new okay, story I'm, there? Okay. Uh, I've got several stories that are brief. This one's okay. probably the longest one. All right. Uh, that have a common theme of what's in the news right now. And. Mm-hmm. Of course, by the time this airs, it may be out of the news, or we may be in World War III, one of the two. Oh, great. But as of the moment of this uh, recording, it's a big news, and it's re- regarding the uh, the war, skirmish, whatever you want to call it, in Georgia. Uh, with uh, So Georgia's on my mind uh, mm-hmm. for our show today uh, uh, with uh, Russia's incursion. And this is a story that you won't hear on the mainstream news, but it is a real story that's for real. Uh, now, this came from a source called Debka which I have to admit is something that comes out of Israel. I think it has a strong influence on the Israeli Defense Force, uh, which actually makes it all the more credible because it's something that exposes some activities that they have going on there uh, related to the uh, nation of Israel. Uh, so I, I take it actually with more credibility uh, in, in what they're saying. It's not necessarily trying to make someone look bad, but mm-hmm. it's just saying matter of fact what they're up to. Uh, basically, it relates to uh, the title, Israel Backs Georgia in Caspian Oil Pipeline Battle with Russia. Let me repeat that again. Israel Backs Georgia what? in Caspian Oil Pipeline Battle with Russia. Uh, Georgian tanks and infantry, aided by Israeli military advisors, captured the capital of breakaway South Ossetia uh, early Friday, August 8th, bringing the Georgian-Russian conflict over the province to a military climax. Now, this was written uh, just a day or so before Russians came in hard. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, pr- uh, Russian Prime Minister Vladimir Putin threatened a military response, which, in fact, we know he followed up on. Yep. Uh, former didn't, so- didn't miss words right. for change. Former Soviet Georgia called up its military reserves after Russian warplanes bombed its new positions in the renegade province. And Moscow's first response to the fall uh, of, the sa- of the town of Shin Valley, uh, President Dmitry Medvedev of Russia mm-hmm. ordered the Russian army to prepare for a national emergency after calling the UN Security Council into emergency session. Reinforcements were rushed to the Russian peacekeeping force present in the region to support the separatist. Georgian, now it's not Russian, Georgian tanks entered the capital after heavy overnight aerial strikes in which dozens of people were killed. Uh, Georgia's prime minister said on Friday that Georgia will continue its military operation in South Ossetia until a durable peace is reached. As soon as a durable peace takes hold, we need to move forward with dialogue and peaceful negotiations. Now, you have to understand that this that this place, uh, South Ossetia, as I understand it, sort of like seceded or left Georgia way back in 1993, I believe. Mm-hmm. And so they've sort of been in, like, semi-autonomous already. Mm-hmm. They're, like, 90% Russian. Mm-hmm. So they're sort of their own place. And then all of a sudden, um, the Georgian country, the army, just attacked attacked it mm-hmm. and decided to hit it and just did a major military operation. So the Russian 
action was really in response yes. to yes. A, a provocation by the Georgian army. And that's been that's been reported in not just not just Debka, a bunch of other places right. have, have right. reported that. Well, now here's but here's what Debka adds is what was right. going on behind the scenes. Yeah. It says. Uh, uh, Debka's geopolitical experts note that on the surface level, the Russians are backing the separatists of South Ossetia and neighboring Abkhazia as payback for the strengthening of American influence in tiny Georgia and its 4.5 million inhabitants. However, more immediately, the conflict has been sparked by the race for control over the pipelines carrying oil and gas out of the Caspian region. Hmm. Now, just in the last couple of days, since this article came out, they have mentioned that there's been bombing around oil pipelines, but it wasn't revealed originally who was involved. And it says the Russians may just bear with the pro-U.S. Georgian president, uh, Shakashvili's ambition to bring his country into uh, NATO, but they draw a heavy line against his plans and those of Western oil companies, including Israeli firms, to route the oil routes of, of Azerbaijan, and the gas lines from Turkmenistan, which transit Georgia, through Turkey, instead of hooking them up to Russian pipelines, mm. which I guess was originally planned. So they're redirecting the pipelines away from Russia. Uh, Shakashvili need only back away from this plan for Moscow to ditch the two provinces' revolt. As long as he sticks to his guns, South Ossetia and Abkhazia will wage separatist wars. Now, Debka discloses Israel's interest in the, in the conflict from its exclusive military sources. Jerusalem owns a strong interest in... Ca- now, remember, this is a pro-Israeli website. Mm-hmm. Jerusalem owns a strong interest in Caspian oil and gas pipelines, uh, uh, which reach the t- uh, Turkish terminal port of Sehan, rather than the Russian network. Intense negotiations are afoot between Israel, Turkey... Georgia, Turkmenistan, and Azerbaijan for pipelines to reach Turkey and thence to uh, Israel's oil terminal at Ashkelon and onto its Red Sea port of Elat. From there, super tankers can carry the gas and oil to the Far East of the Indian Ocean. Aware of Moscow's sensitivity on the oil question, Israel offered Russia a stake in the project but was rejected. Now, continues on here. Israel helped Georgia, or excuse me, last year the Georgian president commissioned from private Israeli security firms, uh, several hundred military advisors, estimated at up to 1,000, these are from Israel, to train the Georgian armed forces in commando, air, sea, armored, and artillery combat tactics. They also offer instruction on military intelligence and security for the regime. Tbilisi, their capital, also purchased weapons, intelligence, and electronic warfare systems from Israel. These advisors were undoubtedly deeply involved in the Georgian army's preparations to conquer the South Ossetian capital. In recent weeks, Moscow has repeatedly demanded that Jerusalem halt its military assistance to Georgia, finally threatening a crisis in bilateral relations. Israel responded by saying that the only assistance rendered Tbilisi as defensive, even though they were had an aggressive offensive act. This has not gone well in the Kremlin. Uh, therefore, as a military crisis intensifies in South Ossetia, Moscow may be expected to punish Israel for its intervention. Well, you know, I tell you, uh, I did some ser- some searching on the uh, draft age, and I think they just recently raised it to 46, which means both you and I. What, here? Yeah, could be drafted. I don't think we have a draft here, do we? we have no. Force conscription? No, not yet. You just wait and see. Okay. Which that's what the uh, like the Columbia Record Club is, and that forced conscription. 
Well, that's four subscripts, excuse me. That's a lot harder oh, to get out man. of. Yeah, oh, yeah. You, you do have to flee to Canada to get away from that. But the story of that is that Israel is right in the center oh, of that. Oh, Israel they is... They were the one who concocted the whole scheme. Yeah, they are They are uh, back in the Georgians. Uh, and, and they sent the all. advisors in to show them how to do it. Yeah, well, I don't know about concocted, but their hands are all over it. That may be... They What's may, the difference? Well... They were material support. They weren't the guy who, hmm. who thought it up. That sounds like to me they were, if they were the ones for the whole pipeline deal. And, and what I wonder is, if, in fact, if they did it now just to test the Russians to see how capable they were or tried to create a long-term distraction while they uh, went after Iran. Keep keep Russia busy with that while they were doing it. Well, one of the things, I was going to print a story up about it, but I didn't get a, I didn't get a chance to. Uh, the life of Tom Bionic, as you know, is been consistently turned upside down. You're saying we're a low priority in your life? Your no, I'm saying you're a very high priority, but uh, it's hard to uh, it's hard to, to dodge bullets, both spiritual and, uh, uh, you know, physical. Yes. <clears throat> so what do you think about that? I thought that was pretty heavy. You know that we have five carrier groups streaming uh, as of recording time, August 12th. Yeah. Uh, one of my stories I had on deck. Oh, gosh, had that. okay. I mean, you could talk I'll, about I'll it. I'll take it back. I'm do, 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 do. No, hey, that's yeah. how our show normally sounds. <laughs> but you might come out right yeah. get that way. Yeah. Do you have a story for us? Yeah, I got I got two good ones. Here's a really good one. Um, document forensics ec- expert says Obama's birth certificate is a horrible forgery. Barack Obama may be on a world tour surrounded by a fawning media, but Sunday, an expert in electronic document forensics released a detailed report on the purported birth certificate. Actually, a certificate of live birth, or COLB, claimed as genuine by his campaign. The experts concluded with 100% certainty that it is a crudely forged fake, a horrible forgery, according to the analysis published on the popular right-wing Atlas Shrugs blog. Hmm. So that would, of course, mean that he's not a U.S. citizen. Yeah, and he wouldn't be eligible to be president. Would that be that big a story, do you think? No. Okay. You're right. Let's talk about, let's talk about Britney Spears. Well, no wonder the mainstream media is not talking about this very much. I mean, obviously it's such a trivial issue. <clears throat> Lost one of the major candidates. Mm-hmm. You know, they talked about this in Montreal when I was there. Really? Well, yeah. gosh, you know, right after he won, I can't help but think of uh, a news segment I watched in Fox News uh, at Future Quake Studios here, actually, uh, where... Hannity, Sean Hannity, I believe, was interviewing somebody who said, you know, I've heard some horrible things about the uh, uh, the uh, Barack Obama campaign, and there's some rumor out there that may just sink his campaign. And I'm not going to tell you what mm-hmm. it is, but the way it's going around the Internet and the way it's being cast around di- to different people makes me think mm. it might be true. Mm. And I'm wondering if this might be that. You know, yeah, could I, be. And you know, who knows if who knows what at this mm. point? Maybe That's they'll all. pick Edwards to replace him. Yeah, I'm sure that uh, somebody who's clean, <laughs> straight up with the public. Well, you know, he is oddly straight up with the public as of what four days ago. Yeah, red-handed. Yeah. Okay. Well, what else you got there? Well, uh, let's see. The uh, the latest examination of the purported documents is by far the most detailed and technically sophisticated to date. Atlas Shrugs publisher Pamela Geller reports that the expert analysis, who goes analyst, who goes by the screen name Tech Dude, is an active member of the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners, the American College of Forensic Examiners, the International Society 
of Forensic Computer Examiners, the International Information Systems Forensic Association, and the list goes on. Uh, he's also board certified as a forensic computer examiner, a certified legal examiner, a licensed, and a licensed private investigator. Um, Tech Dude's detailed report, which runs more than 3,000 words and 20 pages with, an extensive magnified, with extensive magnified illustrations and comparisons, reaches the following conclusion about the document the documented that was first published on the Daily Cause Extreme Left Wing blog and subsequently publicly endorsed by the Obama campaign. Uh, both in statements by the official spokesman and featured on its Fight the Smears website. Here are some of the conclusions. The Daily Cause image security border does not match any known specimen from any known year. It does not match the pre-2006, nor does it match the post-2006 certificate patterns. The place of the text in all of the pre-2006 and post-2006 certificates are almost identical pixel location matches while the image's text placement does not match any known specimen from any known year. The shape and placement does not match the shape and, and kerning of the fonts used in the 2006 through 2008 certificates are identical while the shape and, shape and kerning of the fonts used in the image do not match any known specimen. The cause image shows clear signs of tampering such as the mismatch in RGB specimen. And he goes on and on and on. Um, wow. About and it. for someone who knows documents would know right then that psh, must be fake. I would think so. Okay. I don't know enough about documents, unfortunately. So what did it say there, Dan? Well, uh, after more than a month of controversy and demands that the Obama campaign produce a paper, a paper birth certificate for analysis, uh, the damning new evidence raises the stakes for the Democratic Party and its frontrunner. And it goes on about uh, uh, different... Different sort mm -hmm. of political things, so that's a that'd be a great thing for Hillary to bring to the convention when she goes to speak to say, look, what the we paper? don't we don't want to lose you know them to bring this afterwards. We'd, we'd better fix it now and pick me, you know maybe we need a change. Huh. Well, it's interesting that she hasn't really left the spotlight completely. Oh yeah, yeah. They're they're saying she's pretty cold toward. Her. But this changes moment by moment. But we're a couple weeks away from the convention, so. Well. They better hurry up and resolve this. But if they declare martial law at the convention, you know, they had those army guys practicing jumping down on the buildings in Denver they there. They did. You know, and they it's funny you mention that. All those places. What, how are we doing on time? We've got about three minutes. Okay. Because my, my next story was going to be about an Arkansas city where they've actually declared martial law. But let's do yours. yours. We need to talk shorthand, you know, right. is what we need to do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, since we, you mentioned about the... Uh, the carrier group? Carrier group. Yeah. I guess we ought to bring that yeah, up that real one. quick. Mm -hmm. um, three major U.S. naval strike forces due this week in Persian Gulf. Uh, Military sources note that the arrival of three new American flotillas will raise to five the number of U.S. strike forces in Middle East waters, an unprecedented buildup since the crisis erupted over Iran's program. This vast naval and air strength consists of more than 40 carriers, warships, and submarines, some of the last nuclear-armed, uh, opposite uh, the Islamic Republic, a concentration last seen just before the U.S.-led invasion of Iraq, 2003. You know, it seemed like it'd be hard to miss it if you just shot a bunch of missiles in the air. It seemed like it'd completely cover the water. It'd be that many things. Uh, there are military sources postulate five objects of the show of muscle. One is the uh, U.S., aided by France, Britain, and Canada, is finalizing preparations for a partial naval blockade to deny Iran imports of benzene and other refined oil products. Uh, this means that the Bush administration had thrown in the towel on stiff United Nations sanctions. 
Uh, number two option is Iran, which imports 40% of its refined fuel products from Gulf neighbors, will retaliate for the embargo by shutting the Strait of Hormuz oil route check, choke point, in which case the U.S. Naval and Air Force stand ready to reopen the strait and fight back any Iranian attempt to break through the blockade. Mm. Uh, three, uh, Washington is deploying forces as backup for a possible Israeli military attack on Iran's nuclear installations. It also provides sitting duck targets for Iranian missiles. Hmm. Uh, that was my editorial. Uh, four, a potential <laughs> rush of events in which a U.S.-led blockade, Israeli attack, and Iranian reprisals pile up in a very short time precipitate a major military crisis. And then five, uh, while a massive deployment of this nature calls for long planning, its occurrence at this time cannot be divorced from the flare-up of the uh, war between Russia and Georgia. While Russia has strengthened its stake in Caspian oil resources by its overwhelming military invention, uh, intervention, the Americans are investing uh, might in defending the primary Persian Gulf oil resources of the West and Far East. Wow. So oil is driving all this stuff. So uh, in a nutshell... Things are things are looks like they're gearing up to really Help, start. Getting, I'm in a nutshell. Let yeah. me out. Uh, speaking of that, we got to go. All right. But first, we need to let Merv tell everybody mm-hmm. how you can give us feedback mm-hmm. about our show. Mm-hmm. So, Merv, uh, tell them how they can let us know about our show and what they'd like to see on it. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we've got like five seconds, ten seconds. Fasten your seat, Futurians. Seat belt. Yeah. Fasten your seat. Fasten yeah. your seat belt, Futurians. Here yeah. we go. Things intense, are going to get crazy. Intense days ahead. Yeah. Stay tuned to Future Quake, the news you can trust. Uh, we thank you so much for listening, and until next Monday, we hope your future is very bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake. Revolution, sweeping it like a breath.